0: And so these four lepers, greedy that they were, they began to hoard and to hide much of this stuff until their conscience got the better of them. And they said, we do not well. If you look at chapter 7, verse 9, you can read their words. We do not well. This day is a day of good tidings, and we hold our peace. In other words, there are people behind those walls starving. We're out here feasting and we don't share with them. And so they go back to the walls and to the gates of the city, and they talk to the porter and say, the Syrians are gone, and there's food for everybody. But they thought it was a trap. Welcome again to Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Golliher, pastor of our Free Presbyterian Church here in Cloverdale, British Columbia. And take this opportunity to thank you for joining with us day by day, to join with us to hear the message of God's Word. My burden is to take the Bible, read the Bible, explain the Bible, and to apply it to our hearts. We are slow to let the Word of God take root within our hearts. And we need grace that we might receive it by faith and that we might act upon it honorably and responsibly. And so I trust that today that you'll stay tuned with us right through the program and that you'll hear God's Word with gladness. We have another uh, excerpt. In fact, it's... uh, uh, another time to rehearse the madness of marijuana. We are headed for a tsunami of problems with our government seeking to legalize this this drug that is mind changing. It's a mind changing drug, and it will do great harm in this society. As uh, we fear, thousands and thousands more will take to its use either for recreation or supposedly for medical reasons. It is a great risk, and it is doing harm to the human body, and of course it will do harm to the cause of Christ. These are things that the devil delights to use to ruin minds, ruin hearts, and turn men to become rebels to God. And so I hope that you'll stay tuned with us to hear that segment toward the end. Now, today we're dealing with unbelief, robbing your soul, 2 Kings chapter 7, and it's all about those lepers who were feasting in the tents of the Syrians while their own people were starving. May the Lord speak to your heart today. There are people in the church and all around us, and I hope you are not one of them who think that the church is doomed they see hopelessness written all over the church. When we deal with empty seats, we deal with meetings that are small, prayer meetings that are small. when we visit with literature around doors and see the carelessness and the apathy of the average person and the average Canadian, uh, there are, Many that endorse that the end of the church is near. Now, with such a mindset, they cannot be cheered even with the promises of God. And they are naysayers, no matter what we say. In this story, we see a naysayer that is brought to defeat, one who was full of unbelief and yet he was brought to shame and also to judgment this story of the siege of samaria where famine was turned to feasting ought to be a great message of encouragement to our hearts here tonight we learn of the seriousness of the starvation within inside the walls at what must have been a late stage in the siege when, well, you have the account of the two mothers. One agreed that they would have their son today, and the other said, we will eat my son tomorrow. And then she hid her son and raised a controversy. And when this news came to the king, and that's the king of Israel, not the king of Judah, but the apostate king of Israel— walled in in this city of Samaria with the Syrians surrounding them, blocking food, water supplies, they are at their limit, and the king blows up, and for some reason, he asks for the head of Elisha, and Elisha becomes the fall guy in this situation. And so he sends his military men to go down to the home of Elisha and to have him summoned up, and they would have his head. Now, there's a dialogue that ensues between Elisha and his would-be murderer, the king. And Elisha predicts within 24 hours... Food is going to be dirt cheap. All of this is going to be turned around from famine to feasting. And of course, the king's right hand man, a peer, whatever he is, he mocks and scoffs. And he says, If the heavens should open, it could not be. Could not be. And he mocks. Now you'll notice the mockery with the word if. In chapter 7, verse 2, a Lord, on whose hand the king leaned, answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven. And there are the words of his mockery. It was soon contested by one of the The king's peers. And the Syrian army that encamped around Samaria, well, they heard voices. What kind of voices we are told, we're not told. Voices in the darkness. And they assumed that maybe the king of Israel had hired a foreign army to come and free them. And so, in the middle of the night, they fled with such fear that they left their horses, they left their animals tied, they left their tents and all their supplies, they ran down through the Jordan Valley somewhere with all their clothes and belongings scattered. Such panic had overtaken the Syrians. This news was brought to light by four lepers who had been, of course, on the outside of the wall because lepers were cast out and probably fed at a distance. These four lepers had decided that their future fate was doomed anyway, and that they would fall into the hands of the Syrians, and perhaps somehow they might escape their lives, and that they might have something to eat. And so off they went to give themselves up to the Syrian army, and they discovered the tents Empty of people, but full of food, and food aplenty and riches aplenty. And so these four lepers, greedy that they were, they began to hoard and to hide much of this stuff until their conscience got the better of them. And they said, we do not well. If you look at chapter 7, verse 9, you can read their words, we do not well. This day is a day of good tidings, and we hold our peace. In other words, there are people behind those walls starving. We're out here feasting, and we don't share with them. And so they go back to the walls and to the gates of the city, and they talk to the porter and say, The Syrians are gone, and there's food for everybody. But they thought it was a trap. And so they sent out a couple of scouts on horses— to discover if this was so, or perhaps it was just a, a, a trap that was set for them. And they come back with the report. They're gone! Now, at that news, the gates were flung open. The people, in their excitement, rushed out through the gates. And the man who mocked and scoffed at the word of Elisha that tomorrow food will be plentiful, He was trampled in the gate to death, so that the very words of Elisha came to pass, you will hear of this, but you won't partake of it. And this story becomes a tremendous rebuke to the naysayers and to those who would say there is no future. My title to this message tonight is Unbelief the robber of your soul. And this man, we can see, was definitely uh, robbed of the blessing as he mocked at the promise of God. Firstly, let's start with the character of unbelief that it makes a robber of your soul. Now, the character of unbelief, you can see the two opposites in these men. Elisha, the man of faith, the man who believed God, he said, tomorrow there's going to be plenty. The man of unbelief, he says, it's impossible. It cannot be. If God were to open the very windows of heaven, couldn't be. And so he was filled with faith. And so we see the character of unbelief. It is to question and to mock the promise of God. Now, there's a number of things that it robbed him of. It questioned the abundance and the cheapness of the food supplied. Going back to chapter 7 1, uh, you can see here Elisha's very specific uh, statement Tomorrow, about this time, shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel. In the gate of Samaria. Now, it's going to take a huge supply of food to do that. And that was the prediction, the prophecy, or the promise that God gave, and Elisha was relaying. And of course, at the time, it was unthinkable. They had been in such dire straits. But you can see that faith lays hold upon the abundance and the plenty. And, of course, God is able to do the exceeding abundant. He His ways are not our ways. And while we, yes, we confess we live in a time of famine, a famine for the hearing and the preaching of the Word of God, a time of leanness and a time when we might despair, but let us not lose sight of of the abundance and the unlimited power of God to help. We think of the cross. We think of what Christ purchased at the cross. We love the doctrines of redemption, and we know that Christ's death was not in vain, that he purchased by his blood and his sacrifice the church, his bride. I just heard something. Actually, Beulah was quoting it, and I overheard her saying this, that um, men like to choose their own wives. Why do we not allow the Lord to choose his bride? And God is gathering his people, his church. That's the work of redemption that he's about. And in the history of the church, there have been highs and lows. There have been battles, and there have been nigh defeats. But the Lord is still building his church. And his promise, I will build my church. The gates of hell shall not prevail against it, is still true. This man, this unbelieving man, also, he questioned the suddenness of the blessing. Elisha had said, this time tomorrow— this time tomorrow you will see this. Food will be dirt cheap right here in the city. Oh, it would come quickly. And of course, that was the big part of the the problem. The man could say, how can that possibly be? It's impossible. And he doubted it, questioned it, mocked it. And yet it was the word of the Lord to his people that very day. Now, of course, when you think about it, it was impossible, humanly speaking. To send a runner for help, it would take a day to get to the nearest community. To send a runner to Egypt would take a week. How could any army, how could any deliverer show up within 24 hours? It just seemed right out of the question. And yet we know that God in his grace often works suddenly. We're told in the book of Malachi that suddenly he shall come to his temple. We know that on that day when Christ shall return, he shall come suddenly, without announcement. And there are many ways in which the Lord moves suddenly. Regeneration, the miracle of the new birth, is something that happens in an instant. Men are born of the Spirit, not over a period or a scale of the calendar, But in an instant, the new birth takes place, and it is possible for a nation to be born in a day, for a church to be brought from deadness and emptiness into days of refreshing and of revival blessing. When we preach the gospel, we are exhorted in the Bible to set forth the invitation today, now is the accepted time, not some future date. Also, this peer, this unbelieving king's man, may well have questioned the place of deliverance. Samaria? Now, if it had been Jerusalem. We could have said God has his love set upon Jerusalem. That was God's city. It was the place of the Ark of the Covenant the place of the temple, the place of God's Shekinah glory coming down. But Samaria? How could such a thing take place in that city, that city of apostasy and of idolatry, where the people didn't deserve to be delivered? How could it ever happen? And yet it happened. The turnaround happened. We might equate that to our nation, Canada, Canada that has turned its back on God. Our church leaders and our political leaders, for the most part, have turned to an ungodly attitude in almost everything from abortion, and and recently the announcement of our Canadian government, $650 million to fund abortions Uh, In international places. This country is now becoming a leader in the immorality that is destroying infants in the womb. And the list goes on. And there's not a political party with a moral social agenda that they can win and get power in this nation at this time. And we wonder how can it be turned around? Can Canada be blessed again? God's on the throne. God's on the throne. And he can turn the impossible into the possible. Now, this man also questioned the means and the method. He questioned how this could possibly be, that this food would be so accessible right in the city. It, It can't happen. It can't happen. And yet, in the power of God, the Syrian army, whatever they heard, I don't know. Did God send angels and turn up the volume on their wings? So they thought this is, this is just terror to them. Or did he work on the ears of the Syrians so they heard things? We don't know. But God drove the Syrians out in a most unlikely manner, not with military might, not with some human force or power, but with perhaps his own voice. Now, you may be asking, how is God going to bless and revive his church? How is he going to do it? Well, we must not box God into one way. God has many ways that he can work. He might use a leaflet, a Bible, a hospital visit, A radio program, a fellow Christian, a missionary meeting, a quiet word of witness, just somebody quietly saying, hey, do you want to hear what the Lord has done for my soul? Or it might be the hollering of an open-air preacher. God can work in many ways, and with the most, perhaps, unlikely means and usually he takes the, ween, the means that's weak and feeble and shows his power. That's often how God works. This is Ian Golliher. Thank you for joining with us here on Let the Bible Speak. And today we're looking at righteousness of the nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And we need the warning that marijuana is coming. If you have not already smelled it in your neighborhood, soon, in a few months' time, parents will have lost one big reason to direct their children away from marijuana, because it will become legal. Canada is opening up the marijuana market and will lift its ban on the use of what has been known as weed. Weed. I have to ask what our government is already smoking, for they must be out of their minds. A little research will show that marijuana is no joke. Doesn't the government know already what is established by science? Here are some of the adverse consequences of marijuana use taken from a drug abuse government in the U.S. Acute, persistent, during intoxication, impaired short-term memory, impaired attention, judgment, and other cognitive functions, impaired coordination and balance, increased heart rate, anxiety, paranoia, psychosis, although they claim that is uncommon, persistent, lasting longer than intoxication, but may not be permanent, that impaired learning and coordination, sleep problems. Then there are the long-term or cumulative effects of repeated use of marijuana, potential for marijuana addiction, impairments in learning and memory with potential loss of IQ, increased risk of chronic cough and bronchitis, increased risk of other drug and alcohol use disorders, increased risk of schizophrenia in people with genetic vulnerability. And then they also have loss of IQ among individuals with persistent marijuana use who began using heavily during adolescence. And so, we have this list of problems that marijuana causes. Now, here is a statement. What are marijuana's effects on lung health? Info taken from the National Institute and drug abuse in the USA. They say that like tobacco smoke, marijuana smoke is an irritant to the throat and lungs and can cause a heavy cough during use. It also contains levels of volatile chemicals and tar that are similar to tobacco smoke, raising concerns about risk for cancer and lung disease. Marijuana smoking is associated with large airway inflammation, increased airway resistance, and lung hyperinflation. And those who smoke marijuana regularly report more symptoms of chronic bronchitis than those who do not smoke. One study found that people who frequently smoke marijuana had more outpatient medical visits for respiratory problems than those who do not smoke. And the list goes on and on. I want to read to you a director's letter on the site for National Institute on Drug Abuse in the United States. Changes in marijuana policies across states legalizing marijuana for medical and or recreational use suggest that marijuana is gaining greater acceptance in our society. Thus, it is particularly important for people to understand what is known about both the adverse health effects and the potential therapeutic benefits linked to marijuana. Because marijuana impairs short-term memory and judgment and distorts perception, it can impair performance in school or at work and make it dangerous to drive. It also affects brain systems that are still maturing through young adulthood. So regular use by teens may have negative and long-lasting effects on their cognitive development, putting them at a competitive disadvantage and possibly interfering with their well-being in other ways. Also, contrary to popular opinion, marijuana can be addictive, and its use during adolescence may make other forms of problem use or addiction more likely. Whether smoking or otherwise consuming marijuana has therapeutic benefits that outweigh its health risks is still an open question. And this is signed by Nora D. Volkow, MD, Director, National Institute on Drug Abuse, USA. And so I have asked, have Canadians lost their minds to allow and legalize marijuana from coast to coast, knowing the harm and knowing the societal danger this will have? Our government, led by our Prime Minister, Justin Trudeau, is acting like a pied piper leading the citizens of our country to ruin what a disaster this is going to bring. It will bring a tsunami of problems on the roads, domestic life, on the job, and throughout society. We are headed for a downgrade disaster. Surely we need to cry out to God to deliver people from this, this awful temptation and destruction especially for young people, because the science is clear that the THC compound in marijuana will destroy developing uh, minds so that they will not reach their potential and they will be damaged for life. This is irreversible damage. This is a disaster for our country, and it's a disaster for the rising generation in this, this nation that will reap the harvest of this evil. Let us cry to God for mercy for the rising generation, and let us plead the truth that righteousness exalteth the nation, but sin is a reproach of any people. May the Lord be gracious and turn this nation again to right.